0: Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot.
1: On this episode, we'll be talking about Antrim the deadliest film ever made. It's the movie so cursed that it'll hurt you just to watch it.
0: Ooh. I need special glasses maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Protect my eyes. How do you do that? Like a movie that will damage you,
1: Uh, you know, just if you check it out. Um, So that was in like all the paranormal blogs this week, had something about this Antrim film. Mm. And so immediately I'm like, okay, we, we're going to have to check this out. Um, Mysterious Universe even had an article about it uh, April 10th, 2019. And, you know, it just starts out like most of us have heard of cursed objects that can harm and even kill people who come into contact with them. But a cursed movie that could potentially kill anyone who watches it is definitely a new topic for discussion. All right. So uh, that you know, even comes out. It talks about this this film called Antrum, the deadliest film ever made. It's even in the, it's even in, in the, the marketing title, title the which, title
0: of it. Which really, you know, you got to wonder about that marketing person.
1: <laughs> He's like, like, hey guys, it's the deadliest film ever made. You don't want to watch it. You might die. Because uh, I'm trying to figure out what an antrum is. <laughs> right? I don't know. I wasn't a bio. I mean, I wasn't a biology major. Hmm. Um, and the biology courses I took, I was horrible in. Like Really, like Zoology one, where I had to add t- like special tutoring and stuff. Is it like a tantrum? Oh, maybe? Yes. Uh, no, not at all. No. I mean, I'm just thinking, but that, that'd be a good guess. Is it,
0: is it like some raw made with ants? Hey, I Arr. like that.
1: I like that, too. I would drink that, too. That's what, well, remember the scorpion shot that came <laughs> oh, yeah, that's out? That's right. Years ago? So people would, would take this thing called a scorpion shot, everybody, and what it was, was a dead scorpion inside a, like a flavored vodka of some sort. Yeah. And so you like, you pour it into your so shooter gross. and then you drink it and then you eat the scorpion and I'm a vegetarian, but I
0: still did it. And now they make those cricket snacks. Yeah. Oh, they make cricket like protein. Yeah. Bars. But yeah, you did eat the scorp. I was yeah. there. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm uh, okay.
1: It didn't sting you. There are <laughs> 6 million insects for every one person <laughs> on the planet. Uh, so unless we eat them, we're so not in trouble, guys. For you now, there's only five million <laughs> nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. I only have that many to go.
0: <laughs> Any, better get chewing. Yeah, the scorpion shot. Not as gross as you think. Well, kind of crunchy. Mm, just yeah, crunchy. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's kind of surprising that it's still crunchy after being, you know, bathed in vodka for that long. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> right. But a scorpion does have like a chitinous
1: exoskeleton. True. So you're biting right into it. Mm. So the scorpion shot is the deadliest shot ever made, man. <laughs> anyway, it was pretty, you it was, survived it. It's ridiculous. Um, but I take a lot of shots, and so I figured, uh, why not have some fun with it? Um, how did we get to talking about scorpion
0: shots? Well, we were talking about antrum. Ah, thank you. And I'm not going to owe an antrum. <laughs> okay. Or would it be th- throw an antrum? I'm not going to throw a oh, I mean, antrum. about the fact that we got off a bit off topic? Yes, rothay, an antrum (laughs) today. All
1: right. So in biology, an antrum is a general term for a cavity or chamber. Um, So Mm. we have different uh, antrums inside of our body. Probably like the heart has an antrum, the stomach has an antrum. Don't forget about your sinuses. Those cavities can be painful. You guys are listening to my sinus (laughs) antrums right now. So that's what answered me. So what is the movie actually about, is the next thing. Well, it's a documentary about a movie that uh, supposedly from the 1970s, but it was lost for several years before being rediscovered. And uh, the movie that was made in the 1970s is supposed to be able to kill anyone who watches it.
0: I mean, sounds like a great business model. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, no, it's like the tobacco
1: company business model, <laughs> right? There you go. You know you, you, that actually, funny enough, you said that. So when, like, when Judas Priest was on the stand in the 1980s when they were being taken to court for the whole, it said on their album "Stained Class that these backward messages were telling kids to commit oh suicide, gosh. and they were being they were That's being right. sued for it. Judas Priest actually went to court, and you know the thing is, is that it just uh, it said like, "Do it." It was like subliminal messages that said, like, do it. Do it. And uh, Rob Halford was like, why would we want our fans to kill themselves and not buy right, more albums? Yeah. He's like, why wouldn't we just say buy more albums? Right.
0: Would be the thing. Yeah, that would be a lot more effective. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the, the whole idea of like, okay, you don't want people... The thing is, movies make a lot of money through right. repeat business. That's how those Marvel yeah. movies make so much money because kids go to see it a thousand times. Or they you, buy the DVD. Right. When they're dead, you can't see it again. Oh, that's a fact. So yeah. that's so one thing... Once, hey, Antrim people, this is a little bit of free <laughs> marketing advice from Mike and Wendy at See You on Another Side Podcast. Don't kill your audience so they can come well, back and do more.
0: Or don't discourage people from seeing your movie, because right. danger might result. They're not gonna—they're not gonna
1: see your movie. T- you know, they're not gonna buy toys for the movie. Right. They're not gonna buy the Antrim merchandise because yeah. they're gonna be dead. Right. All right. So the movie Antrim, is about a brother and sister who ventured into the woods to dig their way to hell so they could <sighs> save the soul of their recently deceased dog.
0: Aww, why did it go to hell?
1: Um, it was a bad dog. Because I, this was before All Dogs Go to Heaven came out. <laughs> Probably in the 70s, <laughs> so then we didn't come out to the eighties. Anyway. And so right, it makes me think about Pet Cemetery, which I haven't seen the new Pet Cemetery. I haven't yet either, yeah. but yeah, that's on the list. Right. I am looking forward to seeing it. So the, so they go, they want to, you know, dig their way to hell to save the soul of their dog. And then um, the movie's also gonna have various reports and people talking about uh, you know, what happened to the people who watched the film. So here are some, you know, here's some quotes. This is in Forbes magazine, um, which I mean, Forbes is a fairly respected magazine where they have these quotes, yeah. and the producer Eric Thirteen,
0: that's his last name. Yeah, but perfect. perfect. I mean,
1: that's his director or producer <laughs> name or whatever. Pen like. Name. I <laughs> mean, Eric Thirteen is a guy who used to be a, like a Silicon Valley. Used to be in the software, and now ah. he's into like horror movies and stuff. He's like investing that. his money in in other right ventures, and so I don't. I, I doubt when he was working at some startup or whatever, he was like <laughs> he. You know, he showed up uh, dressed like a Goth kid <laughs> and said, "Call me 13. So, writer, director, producer. He's also, a, of course, he's a multi hyphenate. Eric Thirteen. He said he found it last October while attending the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. Um, he maybe I should. I haven't heard him talk yet because I haven't seen a video of him talk, so maybe we'll try. (laughs) Here I was at the fest where this movie's playing. Normally, everyone's hyping their projects. It's very easy to talk to people about what's showing. And yet, I can't get anybody to tell me what the hell actually happened in this movie everyone's talking about. That's when I had to see it. That's when it was like, okay, this is my mission now. I have to track this movie down. Which is not playing anywhere else, which has no records online, which you can't find anything about.
0: Call me thirteen. Wow, that's a that's a pretty good little uh, California goth working on accent, that, accent working you got on going that. on there.
1: <laughs> so, um, he, he continues to talk about you know what happened because the movie was lost, and then they find the negative of the film or whatever, and uh, weird symbols and ghostly images of quote unquote. Unspeakable things <gasps> were seen, like they were on the negative. Oh, okay? that's so kind of cool. This is what happens, you know, while the while the film is lost in the 1970s. Okay. Oh, you know what? The funny thing is, I'm actually reading this. Uh, some of these quotes from Mysterious Universe, because I closed the tab from Forbes, and they're missing an entire thing of context here in his next quote. Uh oh. So, um the Mysterious Will you provide that context for us, Mike? Yes. The thank Mysterious you. Universe article is written by uh, Jocelyn LeBlanc, and she usually writes some pretty good articles, except she fails to do any kind of critical analysis of this film whatsoever. Oh, really? On, and that's weird on Mysterious Universe. Because yeah. I feel like Ben and Aaron, the guys who host Mysterious Universe, mm-hmm. they would read this, their own article and be like, Pepper in some uh, be like, this is a in their Australian accents. They'd be like, This is a little crap. You know? <laughs> but like, it was from your site, guys. I love Mysterious Universe, which is why um, I'm taking offense to this article. Wow. Uh, so, but the thing is, he compares it to, he specifically compares it to H.P. Lovecraft and the Necronomicon. So he says, like the Necronomicon, it was discovered after being lost for a long time. The Necronomicon, originally it was in Arabic, and then it gets lost for years and it's recovered. It's got all those notes where somebody tried to translate it, but maybe it was an ill-fated attempt because they died in the process. (laughs) There's notes scrawled in the margins, and every time the book is lost and recovered, there's new patchwork pieces added to it.
0: Okay. It's been lost multiple times.
1: Right. But the the, the thing is about the Forbes article, too, is it doesn't mention that there is no Necronomicon. (laughs) Right. Like, H.P. Lovecraft (laughs) created this really cool mystical book, this idea of a really cool mystical book that if you read it, it could drive you mad Mm, and all of these kind of things. And then his fans in, like, the 60s and 70s, like, they were like, we're going to put together a Necronomicon. We're going to make one. Make it so. Out of the Cthulhu mythos. And... We're going to create it. All right. Sweet. Um, but the thing is, like nowhere in the Necronomicon book, which you could buy at Walden Books when we were kids. Yeah. Like I remember reading halfway through <laughs> in the Walden Books when we were kids. And when you can buy an evil grimoire at your local mall, you know this world's going to hell. <laughs> right? Like the Necronomicon is really
0: dangerous, <laughs> you figure like the book purchaser of Walden Books would be like, you know what? Well, we're not going to have this here. Well, this is dangerous. And the other thing is like, if they're mass producing it, just think of all the things that are going to appear in all of those margins when people keep losing them. (laughs) Well, you know, that makes me think about too, um, a movie we're going to get to in a little bit called In the
1: Mouth of Madness. And we'll talk about the entire beginning of the movie is is, a printing press. And uh, it's also a very like the music to it. John Carpenter directed In the Mouth of Madness in 1995 and he he composes all the music. Nice. But the funny part is, is that when you watch that film, listen very, I mean, first of all, watch that film because it's probably the last good movie. Vampires was okay, but James Woods really saved that. But In the Mouth of Madness is the last good movie that John Carpenter really did. Uh. And I know I'm taking out Escape from L.A. here, but even though it's got his apologists, Escape from L.A., is a shadow of the original film. So the thing is, so in the beginning, uh, the music starts up and it's like heavy metal, and it sounds like someone listened to Enter Sandman, mm-hmm. and then wrote a song to sound just, just sound like, like Enter Sandman, yeah. and put it in the mo- in the beginning okay. of the movie. So to save money on royalties, <laughs> yeah, right. And and so we understand that because Wendy and I work in the music industry where we we see these people who look
0: for um like not necessarily soundalikes. Cop, sound alike sound sound yeah we've and, even made a few of our own yeah that we tried to submit for those that's right we
1: uh somebody was putting <laughs> that had a really big budget for this particular uh like it was a, some commercial and they they were editing it this is an, like a, a european dating site yeah and they were they, they put together the commercial and they had edited the commercial together to what about love by oh, heart? yeah Right? And so we took it and we're like, we can do a song like What About Love? Yeah. And then we put it together. And that actually ended up being the, uh, the song for the Halloween episode of our podcast <laughs> right. uh, three years <laughs> ago. And because for Halloween that year, we went to heart. <laughs> right? Nice. <laughs> so that's the beginning of In the Mouth of Madness has that song that sounds exactly like Inner Sandman. Uh, and that's, that's the worst thing about the film. Everything else is actually really good. Uh, anyway. So, but when you were saying that the printing press and those mass productions of books, like, do then the you know the other books that go on that printing press get cursed? Right, afterward?
0: exactly. Is the ink cursed, or is it the? Uh, but mm-hmm. I,
1: you know, I was just so surprised that um, number one, mysterious universe didn't take this as a a hint that there may be something. Uh, Maybe not real afoot
0: here. They, they they took the bait. And Forbes completely takes the bait. Yeah. Prince this. It's like a press release they take. Prince this. That and, marketing person is just drinking the champagne right now. Yeah, he's
1: like, look, what a so great job it I did. Worked.
0: Um, the Necronomicon's not
1: real kids. Now, <laughs> chaos magicians, chaos magicians might say that you could use this something, you could use a, a book like the Necronomicon and actually do real magic with it yes. because it doesn't matter if it's actually real. It matters right. if your intention and the belief intent behind is behind it. Yeah. Um,
0: and also, you know, one could argue the, the sort of Tulpa argument of yes. with so many people believing in something, is it going to manifest and create some kind of curse or whatever you right. know, just and, from people believing in it?
1: And I'm with you there. <laughs> uh, but I feel like we should, I feel like uh, these sites should have done a little bit of research. Mm, totally. Yeah. So, anyway. Eric 13 continues talking about in his film. There's a certain level that says, okay, a haunted movie. Oh, no. Will I get cursed? And and there's another level that says, of course you won't be cursed by a movie. Don't be ridiculous. And then there is yet another level where you're still thinking about the film days afterwards. You want to show it to your friend. And when you show it to your friend, do you tell them it's a cursed movie? Do you sort of make a cheeky joke about it? It's in your life now. You're talking about it. You're making decisions about it. The way the movie follows you in the real world,
0: that's the real curse. So basically, like any entertainment kind of thing? But I just... First of all, these quotes are great. They're
1: hilarious. Right? The way the movie follows you in the real world, that's the real curse. You can't stop thinking about it. I guess I can't stop thinking about Antrim... Ever since I saw the press release come out this week. Yeah. And then people just picking up the press it's release.
0: It's crazy. And now we're talking
1: about it. So we're in right. it. We took the bait. And the reason that we <laughs> feel like we need to talk to you guys about it is because it seems like nobody else is just letting people know that this is being <laughs> That this is just viral marketing. And, and the thing is... Wait, so are you saying that we
0: won't die if we see it? Well, now I don't want to see dangerous. it. No, I'm going to go see this. I'm going to see this movie when it comes out, obviously. <laughs> I want to see... How long would it take to dig a hole to hell? Oh, especially with kids. Right. They're not that strong. Yeah. And they're like short attention spans. It would take a lot, like very focused att- attention. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think the
1: other tip off that it's cursed when you look, oh, that it's, not, it's not cursed. Wait, the other tip off that it's not real is uh, when you go to the uh, IMDb. Uh-oh. And then you see it's got screenplay by and story by uh, credits in there. Now, the Writers Guild of America is not going to let you put screenplay yeah. by or story by on a documentary. Right. You know, it'll let you, yeah. it, it puts, you know, filmmaking credits and not. things like that, but a documentary right. won't let you put story by <laughs> a fictional, you know. Um, so that's just, uh, you know, the, the funniest thing. Now, I should say that uh, Dread Central News did put in there, full disclosure, Antrim is a mockumentary. Mm, okay. So they get a gold star. Yes. Um, so Dread Central does, bloody disgusting, doesn't Mysterious Universe doesn't, uh, unexplained mysteries doesn't. Wow! And um, I'll give it up for uh, Tobias and Emily at the Singular Fordian in Madison here. They, they put up a blog post I saw yesterday saying like, "Hey, this is viral marketing. Just don't fall sure, for it. Don't fall for it." And that's uh, good. Keep I thought everybody that uh, Aware. <laughs> right. I thought that was a good thing because it really when I see this on paranormal blogs and nobody like checks it, yeah. and it says like it's a cool story, it can be a fun thing. Sure. But don't just print the press release. Right. And like Forbes like that's... he adds the word supposedly in one place. Uh. And that that's what gets by and journalism. Wow. Like this is actual fake news masquerading you know, it's marketing, masquerading as fake news. And Anyway, this is I just I just we thought we should talk about it because uh, first of all, the movie does look like fun,
0: <laughs> you know. I first, have to say, you know, I'm intrigued. Just just the the yeah. kids digging the whole thing, right? And then <laughs> uh,
1: this idea that movies can hurt you if you watch it, if you see yeah. some piece of entertainment, it can curse you.
0: Well, and if it's true, what uh, you know, mm-hmm. Mr. 13 says about it getting into your mind and making you, you know, a- affecting you after you've seen it, which. It's a little unfair to have the person who created the movie spreading that kind of hype, but well he didn't you know, create the movie, he just re- discovered it. Oh, that's right, right, right. But <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Is it something that would cause you to think or make you wonder or, or delve into to the the big questions right. well, after he, you've seen it? I mean, he also talks in the Forbes interview how like, you know,
1: people he he creates a, a fake sense of like popularity for it, too. He's like, we haven't even been submitting it to film festivals. Film festivals are strangely coming to us and want it shown. Mm. They want this lost movie seen because it's such a big deal. And there's a force out there that wants people to die. Why? That wants people to watch the deadliest film ever made. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think this is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, viral marketing can be fun. I'm not blaming Eric Thirteen for any of
0: it. Well, no, I actually have to. I have to say. Hats off, yeah. you know, in a sense, because that's a really effective marketing campaign. If you've got like major news sources reporting <laughs> it, right? But sources at least I read every day. I mean, right. I read Forbes every day, but well,
1: I have I have like keyword searches or whatever that yeah. go off when things happen, when curses
0: happen. Yeah, and more. Forbes isn't, you know, that that's outside of our paranormal circles. You know, Correct. people in the general public read that, so it's it's. The fact that it got picked up on there and it was reported on there, I have to, I have yeah. to tip my hat right to that well marketing done. person. Well,
1: done. well, you know, this all goes back to, um, oh wait, at least in the modern age of marketing for movies, the Blair Witch Project.
0: Mm, right? Yes, indeed. That was oh, great. We
1: are coming up on the 20th
0: wow. anniversary
1: of the Blair Witch Project. And, you know, it really – when I first heard about the Blair Witch Project, it was on a website called Ain't It Cool News, (laughs) Yeah, which uh, a lot of people don't go to Ain't It Cool News uh, anymore because it turns out that Harry Knowles was, like, the the guy that ran it. Um, He got Me Too'd out of the job and stuff like that. But he was – I mean – Entertainment Weekly even had him as, like, one of the most powerful people wow. in entertainment for a few years because that was the first website that would, like, break, uh, like, stories. They'd have, they, so that people would email who'd be working on a film mm, and okay. either they would tip in and be, like, this movie's going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I'm the like the – the Dolly Grip or some cra- you know, somebody <laughs> right. you know, or, a, or a PA, you know, somebody who's just on set, hangs out, fetching water for people. And then he like writes in, This movie's amazing. You should see the performances and the special effects. You're going to be blown away. And then it would get r- people really excited, especially for genre films, um, science fiction, horror, thrillers, things like that. And so you'd have these on the scene reports and things. And Annie Cool News was like a must read if you love movies. Hmm. And so, like, right before the Blair Witch Project came out, they had this entire article about, like, how people were finding, uh, you know, people found this videotape, like, (laughs) lost in the Maryland woods near Burkittsville, Maryland. And there was a website devoted to the legend of the Blair Witch. That's cool. And and it was designed – it wasn't designed – uh, High end Yeah there.
0: Like a 90s A classic right. You know it, you We know, all had
1: our own It was like a GeoCities site You know Kind of So GeoCities Everybody if, if you're not old enough Was like one of the first websites You can go to And you could build your own Website And and put it there And this is when It was still expensive To get a .dot .com <laughs> Right uh, So you know Your your website would be like I think our original Band website Was on
0: GeoCities Yes it and, was And you
1: could li- You know Your website could live In different neighborhoods <laughs> It's so, such a funny concept now. Right. So like our website was like geocities.com slash sunsetstrip slash <laughs> club, club, <laughs> club slash
0: fourteen thirty-five. <laughs> yes. And that was our <laughs> that was our original website. It was an actual address. Yeah. <laughs> Web address. Web address, but this is a couple of years, or
1: three years before we uh, had it.com. Yep. Um and so you would just design that you put up a little bit of HTML of your own. Yeah. And you know, Or you would use, a, I remember when what-you-see-is-what-you-get
0: editor, a WYSIWYG Yeah, they didn't really thing. have much in the way of that back then, though. You really had to kind of dive in and learn how to do the HTML yourself. Yeah. And uh, <laughs>
1: anyway, and so the Blair Witch site, looked, because the thing is, people would just put up sites of things that they were passionate about. Right. And there would be sites based on urban legends, sites based on ghost stories, things like that. And so when somebody created a site about this Blair Witch legend out of Burkittsville, Maryland, then you'd be like, oh, like I never heard about that legend, but that's really interesting. <laughs> is there something in those woods? I Right. You know, I didn't know about yeah. that. And, you know, I was all over the internet, so I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool story. Um, and then you're like, well, I got to see this movie now because you want to see what happened to these three kids who were making a documentary about the Blair Witch and then disappeared in the woods. <laughs> and, you know, all the marketing is showing, I mean, There really hadn't been, at the time, like a a found footage movie like that. Yeah, not in the mainstream. Especially when obviously shot on video. Because the thing is, when you blow up video to film resolution, like you kind of watch in a movie theater, it's going to look like crap. Yeah, garbage. So they had mockumentaries before. You know, they had fake documentaries made all the time, but none of it was
0: like looked like this. Like this looked low tech. Yes. And it was so, shit. you know, the camera was so shaky. <laughs> right. People get sick in the theater from all the, the and, bumping around. And-, <laughs> and that's because it was shot by the actors themselves. <laughs> and,
1: uh, it, I mean, the marketing was so effective on this um, that Blair Witch, I mean, I, it only cost $60,000 to make or something like that, which I even wow. think, I don't even know where that money went. <laughs> right. But, um, they it spent millions of dollars in the marketing of it. Even at the Cannes Film Festival, they, they put up missing signs with the kids' pictures. That's amount. cool. And then I think they had to take them down soon after because somebody actually was abducted for oh, the Cannes no, Film Festival. What? Yeah, in 1999. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that, that's pretty weird. Um, Creepy. But So this marketing happened. And then I'd say maybe a month after like the first reports of it online, like somebody's like, oh, no, no, no. This, is, this isn't a real movie. I mean, this isn't a real legend. This is all made up for a movie. Wow. But then you're like, okay, well, at least that's pretty clever. Yeah. And so I I appreciate that they did a really clever job of marketing. It was
0: creative because it was so different from any other movie marketing.
1: Well, the actors use their real names too.
0: Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's. um,
1: Heather Donahue, who plays Heather, I mean, she even (laughs) (laughs) plays Heather Donahue. (laughs) Yes. She even says, I mean, the thing is, I hope that was her acting because if that's her in real life, she's a really unpleasant girl.
0: (laughs) Nice. Josh. <laughs> um, uh, but okay, her,
1: to... her mother got like sympathy cards.
0: because
1: mm. people thought that she actually died.
0: That's really sad. That would yeah. be horrible. Yeah,
1: And so. The, oh, I mean, whole, man. If you guys haven't seen the movie, the whole idea of it is that in 1994, three kids go out, three students go out who are making a documentary on this urban legend about this weird uh, witch that, you know, does evil things and lives out in the middle of the forest in Maryland.
0: Right, and you don't know that much about it, so they're, you learn through their exploration right. that they're documenting. And uh, they disappeared, and then the videotape,
1: you know, from their camera just shows up a few years later, and that's what you're going to watch. Now, first of all, the idea that... Let's just go into the legalities of it. <laughs> You have missing persons case. Three people in a missing persons case. Right. They find the video that shows what happened to them. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and it's then gonna, they're
0: going to make money off of it by right. making it into a new movie, and like they, in the theater.
1: And they give it to some producers to you know turn it in. with have like posters and things yeah. like that. You know, I feel like the families would immediately have sued.
0: <laughs> right. Well, also, I guess I didn't think about it at the time, but I mean, it seems like. Had three people disappeared doing that, it would have been, you know, something we would have heard about on Unsolved Mysteries or something because it's such a weird, spooky way to disappear.
1: And, you know, I, well, we were in college at the time. (laughs) And so we would have heard, I mean, they would have talked about that in our film department. Right. They'd have been like. You guys need to be careful when you're out shooting stuff right. because you don't know what happened in Maryland. It's
0: a cautionary tale. Three kids
1: disappeared when they were shooting a documentary, and we don't know what happened to Those them. Those so, meddling
0: children. Yeah, so
1: you don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and I mean, I would do stupid stuff for film projects all the time. Oh,
0: yeah. No, I, I was like, part of some of them. Yeah. There was one where I was like in a
1: dumpster for six hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then I ended up getting beat up by the guys, like, outside, and then they just threw me into the dumpster. And there, we may have put a mattress, or it might have just been leaves in the dumpster.
0: Wait, you got beat up as the character in as the movie? As the character.
1: But the thing is, they weren't very good actors, so the beating up was real. <laughs> no. And then I was get tossed in the dumpster. Um, And that was a lot of fun. Well,
0: the sacrifices you make for your art. What you, right. right.
1: What we do for (laughs) cinema. Exactly. That wasn't, that was cinema verite. That was the real deal. That was me getting my butt kicked. Um, Anyway, when you think about the stuff you do in college as stupid or dangerous, it it totally was believable to me that people would disappear because you could get caught somewhere. Uh, It wasn't too long. Remember that Into the Wild guy? McCandless Mm. or what? I mean- Oh Eddie Vedder had that song about him. Oh. <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs>
1: and Sean Penn directed a movie about the guy that went off into the um and they did actually they had footage and things like wow. that that he took of himself. He went off into Alaska cuz he wanted to oh, live by himself, I see. prove something. Yeah. The only thing he could prove is that he was he not much survive. of an outdoorsman. I was really sad. Yeah. You know, because it should have, been, you know, this was supposed to be his, you know, triumphant and he eventually starved to death. Right, that's terrible. So that happened in the like the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. So the idea of that also happening, I guess Maryland also though is not like Alaska.
0: Yeah, but you know we've all, especially having grown up in Wisconsin. Yeah, well, yes, we know sure. what it's like when you go hiking in the woods. I mean, you can get lost so easily,
1: and there's no cell phones.
0: Right, like some oh back ha- then, yeah. right, and
1: there's some could happen. Like it's people true. could fall. You know, speaking of Alaska, right, um, one of uh, our friends used to go to Alaska and like they do this thing where they they'd fly uh, into Alaska and then they would forge down this trail like into the Arctic Circle.
0: They basically drop you into like a totally uninhabited area, right? For a month. Oh, my gosh. For a month. It's like the ultimate survival test, basically. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so this one guy that ends up
1: going up with, with one of our friends he uh, he did die up there. Oh,
0: that's terrible. Like, I don't
1: know, maybe 6 or 7 years ago. He did he went up there oh. and then he was an older guy, maybe in his early 60s. But what happened was uh he had like a heart attack. He was yeah. out there all alone. He had like a heart attack and then he just died.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're on your own they anything, could, you could you could like scratch yourself and get an infection and you know, there's yeah. no there's no walk-in clinic to no <laughs> visit well, up there.
1: They asked my dad if he wanted to go help look for him. Oh my god. And my
0: dad's like No, he's like, this
1: guy died. He was 10 years younger than I am. (laughs) He's Like, I don't want to go out and, you know, uh, it's so. But that's the the risk that, you know, you're getting yourself into when you do something like that. Right. And our ancestors who used to have to, oh my gosh, they had no choice. Well, you think about that (laughs) ice man they found in Austria or whatever, like the 5,000 year old ice man, like he died because he had to cross the Alps for some particular reason. (laughs) We don't have to cross the Alps for nothing. Right, We have heaters. Great. Like we don't even have to build fire. Yeah, we got things we could put in our gloves that warm up. <laughs> uh, and so that you know, and of course, you want to test yourself. And I admire, I admire those kind of manly yeah. men that do it. Yes, but you sometimes die, right? So it's not out of the realm of possibility yes. that these kids could have died in the Maryland woods,
0: but, especially if there's a paranormal creature out there. Right. Especially if they get eaten. <laughs> that by doesn't want to be
1: bothered, right? Especially if they get like whoever Hansel and Gretel are out there and eats them. Um, yeah. So they make that cool marketing around the movie and then it becomes like a must-see movie and ends up making a couple hundred million dollars and spawning several sequels of which I don't think I've seen any.
0: I have not seen any, but I have to say I did enjoy the first one. You did? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause it just, I don't know. I wanted to see what's going to happen. I, you know what? The curiosity I- factor was high. I didn't enjoy it because (laughs) number one,
1: the hype was up a little bit. And number two, I always made the mistake of going to the it at a certain theater in Madison where you can't hear it. The audio was terrible.
0: I was there at that same theater
1: and it was, if you, if you thought it was bad, if you just watch it on videotape or whatever, I thought about it it was at at your movie, at your movie theater with DTS and Dolby surround. Imagine watching it where there's a couple of tin cans for speakers.
0: Right. And it's like an old, old theater with a, you know, so it's, echoing basically mm-hmm. like you're in a gymnasium or something so it's just yeah not good and
1: the theater is way cool like it's beautiful it's awesome. and it's also got lots of haunted stories so but, it's a fun place to go
0: right to see a band or to see a, yes. a play now, or something
1: <laughs> now they just have bands and it's a much more pleasurable experience right. because the pa system for the bands is much better than the pa system for the movie
0: yeah and i mean the theater itself was meant for watching performers on the stage not right. when it was originally a, built. a movie That's screen right. yeah exactly so
1: anyway uh, Blair Witch Project, uh, very cool marketing. You know, Heather Donahue ended up getting a whole bunch of pretty good roles after that. Yeah, and cool. um, uh, was successful enough to spawn a whole bunch of sequels. But the thing is, you know, the Blair Witch Project wasn't the first movie to use that kind of veracity idea that mm. what you're watching is real found footage to, uh, you know, to get people to, you know, in, to get butts in seats. <laughs> right. Uh, in fact... There was a movie called *Cannibal Holocaust* that came out in
0: 1980. <laughs> Just sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: come on. No, no, *Cannibal*. No, *Cannibal Holocaust* is a. Um, uh, it's an Italian film, and it's about this news crew that goes to South America to investigate, like an indigenous tribe. Okay. So you know they Uh-oh. go down, check them out, and what happens when they investigate the indigenous <laughs> tribe? Um, they get obviously murdered and eaten by the cannibals. So
0: what you're saying is it's not really a culturally sensitive. Oh no. no. <laughs> it's not one of those. This is the Gilligan's Island style. Kind of, this is definitely
1: exploitation. <laughs> this, um, this makes this makes Gilligan's Island look culturally oh, sensitive. Boy. Well, it, this is 40 years right. ago. We're dealing with different standards and it's, it's that same idea of the found footage. It's what they used in Paranormal activity. You know, but Paranormal Activity, nobody treated it like it was real ever. They just said it was a found footage horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's The Fourth Kind or whatever. That's also, I think it's, I think Milja Jovovich is in that. Oh. that. That's another one where it's a found footage alien abduction Ooh. film. Oh, man. Right. But those were all, I mean, those are pretty much always treated as fiction films. And the found footage just makes it extra scary. Okay. Um, there's another movie called The Bay... Directed by Barry Levinson And that's about like a sea creature Like the sea rising up And killing people no. in, a, in a town um, It's like an eco-terror movie um, <laughs> Using found footage Cloverfield Same kind of thing mm. Monster attacks New York City Eats a whole bunch of obnoxious uh, 20-somethings <laughs> I mean, you watch that movie And you can't wait for them to die <laughs> You're awesome. like, I'm looking forward To all of these <laughs> douchebags being eaten Um... But *Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust* is kind of the same kind of thing, though, because it's got these—you know—the—the the, the, uh, the filmmakers go down there. It's an anthropologist from NYU. It's—it's uh, it's the film crew, and they're all kind of obnoxious, kind of full of American stereotypes. And um, what happens is the—the uh, the, the special effects are low budget, but they're extremely graphic. Ah, uh, okay. You know, and. And so it's horrific when you watch mm. it. So what happens after its premiere in Italy? It was ordered to be seized by a local magistrate, and the director was arrested on obscenity charges. Wow. He was later then charged with multiple counts of murder due to rumors that claimed several actors were killed on camera. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, he was eventually cleared of the charges because it was a fiction film ah yes right. indeed um but also uh, several countries still uh kept the movie banned because it was too gross Gosh. for them
0: so that you know it just it offended their delicate sensibilities <laughs> right so you know it's the same
1: kind of thing and then people want to rent cannibal holocaust because they think it's real <laughs> they hear oh the director was arrested on obscenity charges we're gonna have to get this movie and that's yeah. what happens. You know, when I was a kid, we all wanted to see Faces of Death. Oh, so cuz Faces of Death was like the movie about people like it, it said it was found footage of people actually getting killed. Ugh. Um and even I think the first one I saw was Faces of Death 3 and my cousin in Hawaii was like they've banned Faces of Death here. Like, do you think like you get me a copy? Nice. And so like I found a way to like, like copy the videotape from the, you know, and I was like 14 or 15 or whatever. So like went Mike. somewhere and copied the videotape, copied the videotape and sent it to my cousin in Hawaii. Oh, man. Because so, he was all in the metal and stuff like that. <laughs> so he wanted to see Faces of Death. And I sent it to him and I didn't get it when I was 14. I was like, oh, this is all stuff. This is really gross, man. Because it it's, like it's like a bomb squad guy that goes in and fails. Yeah. You know, there's a guy that's parachuting and then he parachutes like into an alligator pit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all ridiculous. Oh, man. Um, but the original Faces of Death, the one that came out, said, you know, banned in 59 no, countries wow. kind of thing. That's sa- It's the same kind of deal. So every teenager wants to see it immediately? Wants to see it because, number one, it's banned. Number two, it's uh, transgressive. Because mm-hmm. when you talk to an adult about wanting to watch a film, like a snuff film, right? It's this idea where people actually die on film, most people are like... What? No. Oh, thanks. That's disgusting. <laughs> I'd like to not be traumatized. You know, and obviously the internet brings that out in everybody. Yeah. There's rotten.com. I don't oh, even know if rotten.com gosh. still exists, but rotten.com was like where you could watch the footage, like Bud Dwyer. Uh, Bud Dwyer was the guy that committed suicide on television in the 1970s. Oh, wow. He was like a, a Pennsylvania oh, public servant that was being convicted of corruption. So he brings this, he calls a press conference- he brings a, like a manila envelope or a yellow envelope on, and he's got a gun in the envelope oh and gosh. just whoop, puts a right, right to the roof his TV. mouth and pops it. You know, oh. it shoots. And, um, yeah, well, that I mean, and you can see that they have that, Ron.com is where you'd see the pictures of like Jane Mansfield's car oh, after the crash. Oh, just gory stuff. Kirk like, Cobain's, yeah. you know, the photos from his um, suicide. It was all, you know, fairly horrific. Obviously yeah. horrific. It's people, you know, horrible things happening. But when you're a teenager or whatever, yep. you,
0: you, you want to see the horrific things. You don't want to be sheltered. You want you're to... be curious. Right. You've been sheltered your whole life and you're, you want to know why Why are these things being hidden from me? Right. Now I don't have that same kind of curiosity. No. I, like,
1: I like to see special effects because I like to see really talented people at work and the art of it. But I'm not as interested in watching people's heads getting blown no, off in real gosh. life. Um, yeah, anyway. But Faces of Death was that, was based on that This idea... That, oh, you know, camera people because there's so much television news, and yeah. camera people are always at some kind of scene. What do they do with this footage? They can't show on television. And sell it. Right. And they sell it to the people who make faces of death. Now I, later on in my life, I did find this believable, because I did. I was a TV cameraman who was at mm. several accidents. And suddenly you see like an arm or something. You're like, ah! Yeah. Oh, gosh. And But that's when you're putting together the package. You're not going to put that together that package. Of like, Here, Oh, man. Wait till you get to the arm shot, no. everybody. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, I get it. And, you know, obviously on uh, the stuff that was coming through you know, on September 11th, I was working at the TV station. And you would have a row of um, stuff that was coming directly from the CBS oh, feed in New gosh, York. Oh, gosh, Yeah. And there's the stuff that CBS was showing, and then at the TV station we were getting the feeds from just the camera people who were on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, people walking around with cameras, and you're, you know, just unfiltered. Yeah, and you're watching, and you're, oh, you know, you're watching gosh. the towers and the, the people jumping out oh, and things my like that. Oh yeah, no! it's terrible. And then when the eventually when the the second building falls or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the camera guy's just like not even that far away. I think, like I think, he drops the camera and it's just yeah. like on the side. And he's and you hear the screaming and the building. And you're sitting there going, "Holy crap!" And
0: that like, was real though. That was it.
1: Yes, that's not. I mean, <laughs> so it's terrifying. Yeah. And you're watching this, and you know, obviously, we weren't cutting to anything because you just keep on network the whole time. Uh, but you're watching the rest of what they're not showing to the public. Yeah, and it's it's. Horrific. So I know yeah, that... Disturbing. I, I realize that this kind of footage exists out there. Yeah. But Faces of Death is not that footage. Right. So but the, you know, by the time I actually see the first one, I'm like 17 years old. It's a drive-in movie. They're showing Faces of Death 1 and <laughs> 2. That's a drive-in.
0: Oh, you get your popcorn at, yeah, and your Twizzlers. Yeah, at
1: the 41 Outdoor in uh, North of Milwaukee, which I don't think exists anymore. But so we go to the drive-in because there's like their Midnight Movie Madness Marathon, <laughs> like the, something like that. So they have Faces of Death 1 and 2 and then they got... Uh, Texas Chainsaw, and then they have Hills of Eyes wow. Part Two, which is the lesser Hills of Eyes. So I wonder why they picked <laughs> that one. Um, anyway, so we're watching Faces of Death, and I realize that there's multiple camera angles for all of this uh, found
0: footage. <laughs> right. You know, like
1: all of a sudden, like oh, somebody gets their leg chopped off in a uh, because a truck falls on them, and then you see like the point of view shot from the oh, leg. Oh man. <laughs> nice. And I, I'm like, oh man, it's all fake. Yeah. You know, you guys really set this up to be something, and it's all fake.
0: That was your filmmaker mind, though, at work. You know, most people don't think about camera angles and stuff. They're just absorbed in the movie.
1: Because the thing is, how so the idea is, like, say, if if you're shooting from one side, and let's say someone's walking across the street, and the shot changes, and the person looks like they're continuously walking, um, they call that a match-on action. And it's it's with angle changes, but the action it looks Continues. it looks seamless. Sure, it's a it's a it's a visual. It's a um it's an illusion, obviously, because most things are shot with one camera, and so they have to move the camera and then to make it look seamless. So when you see that happen in supposedly found footage, you're like, what were they? Did they have a three camera setup <laughs> at this accident? Right, like how would that be possible? Yeah, and. It, you know, there's also a great like I just um, there was a great podcast done last year, and it interviewed the guy who uh, directed and wrote Faces of Death, like whose idea it was. Oh wow! And now he, I think he like runs a gun store in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but he just wanted to make something scary, make some money. They had this idea, uh, based on this idea of, um, it's called Mondo movies. Okay. All right, and this comes in the 1960s, and it's, it's really an Italian idea. Hmm. Um, they had this movie called Mando Kane*, which in English means "A Dog's World." Mm. I, I don't know why they particularly called it that. Mm. Um, but they go to different places around the world ah. and they film the shocking uh, stuff that they do, like the, the tribes would do—cannibal Holocaust-style, okay. not eating people. <laughs> it would just be like ripping apart a dog or an rituals animal. or things like that. Yeah, just and it would use the otherness. I see of you know different cultures to shock you in the film. Yeah. And these Mondo films. I mean, even, even Faces of Death Part 3, I think, or Part 2 has something where you watch uh, a Korean family kill a dog and eat it. Ooh. It's this whole idea of these, you know, that you can buy a dog at um, yeah. for the grocery because that's what they had so many dogs who did do that in their culture. Oh. Uh, it's not real. I mean, I don't believe it's real because I think they shot it in the United States. Okay. Um, but Mondo Kane was that idea of going yeah. to these different places and making a documentary of these shocking rituals, and it's just this tradition of Mondo filmmaking. Mm. And Faces of Death kind of fed into that and became the most famous American version of these things of of banned, <laughs> you know, banned in fifty countries. This this idea that what you're watching is something real and that makes it feel transgressive. That makes it that gives it an extra thing. You know, even when, when you were watching The Conjuring. And it said based on a true story. Yeah. That just changes your whole perspective. Right off the bat. Totally. You're like, oh my God, this is based, this really happened. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, you're watching a biopic or something and you think like, oh, this really happened. It changes your whole idea of how you think about the movie.
0: Yeah. How you take in the movie.
1: And so people doing this for marketing, whether it's Antrim, the deadliest film ever made (laughs) the Blair witch project or faces of death or cannibal Holocaust, they're all over the same thing. Um, you know, Wendy, you brought up this example uh, that I'd forgotten about and uh, the movie Kids. Yeah. That came out in like 1995. And Kids is about these, I don't know, like teenagers in New York City in the 1990s. Nobody's going to school. They're just having sex. Just partying constantly, doing drugs. And... Right. It's all drugs and sex and people being horrible to each other. And really, it follows around this kid who, like, finds out that he's HIV positive mm. and then he spreads the disease. It's disturbing. And it's, um, you know, it's directed by this guy named Larry Clark uh, and written by Harmony Corrine, who eventually did Spring Breakers, which, <laughs> hey, I think Spring Breakers is a great movie. James Franco, Spring Break, uh, at his best. But this movie, kids, it's in, like, a really documentary style. It feels like you're just following around. You know, these Actual teenagers. Actual people. Yeah. And now you realize those teenagers are actors because it's Rosario Dawson. That's her right. first movie. Um, and Chloe Savigny, who is nominated for Boys Don't Cry, and she's in a lot of stuff. And so you get these, you know, and so those actors get discovered on it. So you realize it's actors, but when you're watching it, it feels so real. It doesn't feel, the whole movie's scripted, you know? And even the the lead character in kids, the the, the guy who is, a piece of crap. Like you watch this and you're like, this is a human piece of garbage. Uh. He's like, people hate me because of that movie.
0: Oh man, that sucks. You know? He's
1: like, people hated me because Uh, of that movie. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing. We have this visceral reaction to documentaries even when they're fake and it's hard to get over that because our mind sees it as something real. You know, that, they did that with the, um, Remember the Alien Autopsy movie on oh, Fox? Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: 19, speak, speaking of 1995. Oh, good year. Um, <laughs> I mean, Alien Autopsy, I remember. I think that was one of the weekends we were home for college. And um, I had people over to watch the Alien yeah, Autopsy movie. Yeah, it was a movie. big
0: deal. We were super excited for that.
1: Yeah. Like, um, there's a whole bunch of people over to watch the Alien Autopsy movie. <laughs> and now if you guys had, this is a 25-year-old uh, hoax. But it's Alien Autopsy, Fact of Fiction. It's hosted by Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek to Next Generation. So, uh, you know, Riker, Riker is hosting it. So it yeah. gives it that semblance. A little bit
0: of credibility there already. Right.
1: And this is right before uh, William Frakes started host, or Jonathan Frakes hosted the Paranormal Borderline, which was a, right. like, a, like, like a found footage like thing where they investigate paranormal stories. So this is like, it's giving it some kind of credibility. And- To you know, just to give you a little bit of context, In Search of was hosted by Leonard Nimoy, who played the first officer on the original Star Trek Enterprise. Right. Alien Autopsy is hosted by Jonathan Frakes, who plays the first officer on the Star Trek: The Next Generation. So it continues that kind of idea that you grow up with. Well, this is the new. I can trust this person because I trusted Mr. Spock. (laughs) Right. I can trust uh, Commander Riker. So, okay. So, alien autopsy, fact or fiction. Um, and it's got this grainy footage. It's got this grainy footage of, a like, an alien. It's got a big chubby belly. <laughs> but they cut it open. Yeah. And it's hard to see anything. Gross. It just shows, like, military doctors around. Um, but also, the paranormal people were taking it seriously. Like... Oh boy. Right. Kevin Randall. Um, he's, you know... he. He says that later on that his uh, remarks were taken out of context. But uh, Kevin Randall is a guy that has been studying Roswell for years. Uh-huh. He's you know shown talking about the autopsy footage and how amazing it is. And it's this idea that they are autopsying an alien that crashed at Roswell. And the guy that brought it forward, the, Ray Santilli, he said he got it from a cameraman in his 80s that used to work for the uh, Army Special Forces. And he filmed many events, including the Manhattan Project, which was the atom bomb tests. And he said that on June 2nd, 1947, he received an order directly from General McMullen stating there had been a crash. He was to go immediately to White Sands, New Mexico, and film everything. The cameraman had authority and above the on-site commander and reported only back to the general. The cameraman flew to Roswell and then was taken by road to the site he describes as being a a dried-up small lake bed. And then he took the footage and I guess held on to the footage.
0: Right. Like the military did not be like, give me that footage. Also, I mean, at what point do you decide it's time for me to release this footage? Right. You know, it's like, 80s. it's like, well, I might go any day now. Uh, well, you know, deathbed
1: confessions get a different kind of um respect. Even in court. Yeah. Deathbed that's confessions, true. because people have nothing to lose. Like, Juries yeah. will take death by confessions more than they will take just a regular mm. confession because the person's going to die. Why wouldn't they tell the truth? Yeah. And so, I mean, that was the idea. that. So, Kevin Randall worked with Don Schmidt, and, right. and they wrote the book that the Roswell movie with Kyle McLachlan uh, is based on. We've had Paul Davids, the producer from the film, he was also on the podcast. Um, and he sees the ghost of Forrest J. Ackerman from famous Matsushita. Yeah, of the that's right. But so, Kevin Randall and Don Schmidt used to work together. and I went, I said a year after the alien autopsy, before it came out that Ray Santilli's like, you know, he's like, well, it wasn't the real footage. I saw the real footage. Oh, and no. so we created a reenactment of the footage but that I saw. But we didn't I tell saw. people
0: it was a reenactment.
1: That's not what Riker told me.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> in that thing. That is not what he said. Right. So, like, that happens. So, so this, this is at a, a meeting in, like, Greendale, Wisconsin, or Greenfield, Wisconsin, in 1996. And Allison, my sister, she's on the email list of all these uh, yeah. Milwaukee weirdos. And Don Schmidt's, ha- like, they're having a party at this certain place. And Don Schmidt, the researcher, is going to be there. And he's going to tell uh, people about the latest stuff on Roswell. Cool. And it's like a potluck. <laughs> And so Allison's like, you want to go? And I'm like, hell's yes, I want to go. <laughs> of course. So we make up some kind of vegetarian food that we can bring for the potlucks. we have something to eat. And we get there, and Don's talking about the alien autopsy film like it's real. And he says that um, he they have this like piece of fuselage or whatever that, uh-huh. that we found in New Mexico, and they're getting it tested to see if. If it's of this earth Sure And then he, he passes around like this Little rod It's a rod that's like triangular So I don't know what you'd, what you'd call that Like a cone? No uh, oh, Picture like a long like a prism No like a prism shaped. There you go Like prism shaped Okay and it's, A Toblerone Like Exactly <laughs> So Here he's passing around the space Toblerone <laughs> And it's gray And it's got these purple markings on it and he's like, "This is a this is a copy of what we found in the desert."
0: Oh, uh, okay. He's passing it around, right? Because you don't want to pass around something if you're not sure, right. The actual thing. And he goes, "This right." He's not just gonna pass around the actual <laughs> thing <laughs> the at this party because we're with drinking we're, like, material.
1: Oh, we're drinking beers and eating food, and people are asking, "What's your sign?" That's the first time somebody's uh, ever asked me, "What's your sign?" What? At, like not as they a, did, yeah, but not as like a come on, because I was there with my girlfriend at the time, but as like a astrological, yeah, like what's your sign? Oh, that's interesting. Ah. So you must like, and I'm You're like, very
0: bullheaded. I'm
1: like, you must like being fooled. <laughs> nice. Um, so that really, that was a whole thing that I just was like, this is crazy. But I, I was on board with the alien autopsy tape too because Don was on board with the alien sure, autopsy. yeah. And I'm like, wow. If he it's says it's credibility, if he says it's going to be. You know, if he says there's something to it, then I bet there's something to it. Um, and you know, Kevin Randall eventually came out against it. Don came out against it. That was a hoax. But at the time. We were all pretty hot in the film. Yeah. You
0: know? yeah,
1: And you find out that Riker lied to us. Really, I mean, he obviously had nothing to do right. with it because he just was like, reading a script. <laughs> he's just like, I'll take my check, thank yeah. you. <laughs> but it, it was that idea that this, this fake movie, like it, it went out and it was enough to be seen by, you know, 10 million people. And this is at a time when things on television would have 10 million people watching it. Like now, 10 million people, it's the biggest right. show in the world.
0: <laughs> exactly. You
1: know, at the time, you'd be like, holy crap, tell the me. Live people watch program. It. Yeah. So, you know, I love these hoaxes and the marketing. Like, it, it, it is fun, except when people take it too seriously. Yeah. Like, we well, were duped by Ray Santilli. I was duped by the Blair <laughs> Witch until, like, I figured out it was marketing. And, I'm not saying that these websites have been duped by Antrum, the deadliest film ever made, but I feel like there needs to be some context to pull out and say, this is a mockumentary. Yeah. This is a paranormal news site that usually talks about paranormal news, but this is a movie that's playing on that. And just to get that out of the way.
0: Yeah. And also, it's just, you know, yet another reminder that the internet... Buyer beware, you know. You never know what's truth and what isn't on the internet, and people pass things off that aren't true all as the, time. Truth all the and time. The thing
1: so. is, on the internet, the the truth about things is only a click away. Every time you can just search for something, and yeah. nobody like still nobody does. So right. Like, well, did you read that? Yeah, I read that. And it's bullcrap. right? Right.
0: <laughs> like, I'm not and saying Snopes is always right, but it's a good first place to yeah. check. Another thing, you know, Wikipedia is not always necessarily trustworthy no because anybody can edit right you can edit wikipedia and until it's changed yeah and it things generally get caught pretty quickly if somebody sneaks in a lie or whatever right. but that doesn't mean you might not see the lie right. before. Be- before and, you and do it. It, it's funny because it seems like a lot of people now take wikipedia as like what <laughs> what we took the encyclopedia as when we were kids you right. know what what is what's the truth about this oh i'll look it up in the encyclopedia you look it up you get your definition and you're like okay cool and now that's what Wikipedia is, but it isn't. <laughs> right, because Wikipedia also can sneak in opinions yeah. and things
1: until somebody comes in and changes it. Catches it. So it's it's a funny thing. Um, last couple ideas about cursed films is, uh, I hate to bring this one up again, Uh-oh. but The Demon House. Oh, no! That's right, Zach Baggins in The Demon House. Yeah. Right in the beginning, it starts with this marketing that it sets you up saying, you know, Be careful of watching this film because just watching this film is dangerous. Right? Yep. It's the only thing that's dangerous. It's dangerous to your sense of excitement because it's so boring. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to your sense of credulity because there is none.
0: (laughs) Come on. And uh, you know, but yeah, I think didn't it end also with a warning about because it? Well, I don't want to spoil it, but right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Anyway, anyway, be careful of the demon house where
0: who in there? Who in there? Um,
1: it, it was funny, and I think I've told this story before, but it's just what also sets this up. So you watch the demon house movie, but then when people were talking about it, um, talking about the film, talking about the case, uh, there is something really strange that happened to the case because the social worker does report seeing the kid. Walk on the right. ceiling, you know. And she's like, "This is what I saw." Not a and,
0: typical report. <laughs> oh, and it scared the crap out of
1: me. Yeah. Um. And you know, so that's the best. They could have flown her in. Yeah. Like to do, like to do the interview in person, right? Instead of like having Skype. it over Skype. Yeah. You're like, you only spent thirty five thousand dollars on the house. You could spend five thousand dollars to interview this woman, or the, a few
0: hundred bucks. Just send the cameraman to her. Right. The only credible witness they have
1: in the entire <laughs> movie. And yeah. they they have her over Skype. Yeah. Well. Zach, what are you doing with that Ghost Adventures money? <laughs> Not spending it on your dog of a movie. Um, it's the museum, man. The museum. Museum is a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> here we <you> go. <laughs> 40 bucks, I don't know, but it was a pretty fun museum. <laughs> so the um, But the thing is, uh, that whole idea that the movie's cursed, and you're going to be cursed if you watch it, it, it sets you up for like, Oh no! Yeah, like there's, I'm, I'm kind of scared now. Oh, what's this gonna, what's this gonna do? Right, and that goes back to this idea of, um, you know, you watch something, it can, it can go with you. Right. You know, it can, it creates a virus in your head. Yeah. There was a TV show on Showtime called Masters of Horror about, I don't know, 15 years ago, and there's one episode directed by John Carpenter, like who directed In the Mouth of Madness, where in that movie there's an author named Sutter Kane who's based on like an amalgamation of Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. And the idea is he's so influential, he's so popular, that he can drive people mad with his books. And then once they make a film adaptation of his books, the message just spreads. Oh, my goodness. So the whole idea behind the movie, it's, it's Sam Neill, um, Jürgen Prochnow plays Sutter Kane, and then it's people walking up to each other being like, Do you read Sutter Kane?" <laughs> and that's the idea of that they they're driven mad yeah. by reading by reading what happens in the book. And funny thing is 10 years later 2005 this masters of horror series John Carpenter directs uh, a movie called Cigarette Burns that has this idea there's this rare 30 year old movie called uh, Le Fin Absolu Monde, mm. The absolute end of the world. <laughs> and the film supposedly has supernatural power to anyone who views it which originally led to a homicidal riot during its premiere at a film festival Whoa. and then the movie is destroyed so then the character in the in the in cigarette burns has to go find the movie and the character's played by Daryl from the walking dead Norman oh, Reedus nice and funny enough it's written by uh, Drew McWeeny which a oh, great on. name <laughs> no his name's McWeeny my last name's Huberty so I I don't criticize anybody <laughs> um, but Drew McWhening Who used to be One of the main writers On Anna Cool News Who helped propagate The original uh, The Blair Witch Project Is uh, yes. Real yes he was, he was called Moriarty On Anna Cool News And that was his Everybody had secret names On that website Sure of course Because that they'd names. be reporting From Hollywood sets. Yeah You know so that Cigarette Burns movie Has talks It's the same kind of thing So John Carpenter Has dealt with this idea Of movies being able To hurt you twice Um I mean that's the idea behind the ring. Anybody right. who watches the cursed videotape in the ring, um, and that that's based on an urban legend about you know some girls have a slumber party and they go to Blockbuster rent a video. They can't agree on a film, so one of them asks the clerk for help. The clerk says, "Oh, I've got something for you," <laughs> and then she, behind the counter, yeah, she goes behind the counter and gives him a videotape. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, while she's back there, there's also a tape on the uh, you know. There's a there's a, another tape on the counter, and then the girl, one of the girls, reaches for it, and the clerk says, no, 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 don't watch this one." <laughs> and uh, the girls are like, "Well, what's wrong with it?" And the clerk's like, "It's just a home movie." But the thing is, the girl swipes the home movie idea. Yeah. They steal it, they bring it home, and they watch it. The power goes out, but the TV stays on. <laughs> the video starts playing, and it shows like a, um, it shows a black woman being burned for practicing witchcraft yeah. and hoodoo. She utters a curse that all who witness her death will face the same fate in two days' time. Then the the VCR makes skipping sounds, cuts off, and the girls died 48 hours after watching Hmm. the movie. And this was an urban legend in New Orleans. Yeah Like in the 80s and 90s Obviously in the, but the tape This idea that And New Orleans has the idea Of the hoodoo Actually the voodoo Because hoodoo was an English That's thing. right Hoodoo <laughs> was an English thing um, So I just thought That was interesting Because I'd never heard that Urban legend ah, before Okay Yeah So that okay. They used that uh, As part of the ring And then part of it Was an old Japanese ghost story uh, That went into it. Mm. So Cursed videotapes Everybody um, don't watch those videotapes Don't watch the videotapes Be kind, rewind Don't watch The Demon House Because it'll <laughs> curse you We're still talking about it Over a year later oh. uh, But the thing is um, Antrim might be a great movie But it is not a real paranormal occurrence. It's not, You know, It has nothing to do with It won't kill you Just like when you read The Necronomicon You will not go <laughs>
0: mad <laughs> Alright All right. The air is clear now Yes, we,
1: we like to do what we can We do Of course, to go with the deadliest movie ever made, we had to write the most dangerous track that we could come up with. You've been warned. Listen at your own risk because we take no responsibility for what happens after you've heard it. This is.
2: The deadliest song ever made.
0: for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.
1: You know who's not cursed, Wendy? Who's not cursed? Well, the best protection against curses is our Patreon community.
0: Oh! Yeah. Wow, I didn't even realize that. It's yep. amazing. If you sign
1: up for the CEO on the Other Side Patreon community, you will be protected against <laughs> any and all movie curses. The
0: shield will open up over you, and it, you'll you'll be
1: protected. It's true. You can watch Demon House. You can watch Mondo Kane. You can watch Faces of Death as much as you want, and nothing bad will <laughs> happen to you. <laughs> that is the CEO on the other side, Patreon amazing, Guarantee. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we want to thank all of our Patreons, particularly Dr. Ned. Dr. Ned's at
0: the level where he gets a shout-out in every single episode. Thank you so Thanks, much. Ned. Ned. We appreciate the support. And thank you to all of our Patreon members who make it so much fun for us to keep doing these episodes. They give us great ideas for topics. And we get to catch up with them once a month in our monthly Skype hangouts. Anyway, we'd love to hang out with you guys as
1: well. So if you're interested in joining the Patreon community, please visit othersidepodcast.com slash donate. And when you can buy an evil grimoire at your local mall, you know this world's gone to hell.